0: Hello everyone, welcome back to our podcast, we're glad that you're here with us. Today's topic is a ripper, I've been looking forward to this one uh, ever since we started uh, the book of Isaiah, and I know that uh, some of my friends here with me have also, and we trust that it'll be of interest to you, it's it's certainly a great one for 7th Adventists, so uh, I think we're in for some good discussion. My name's Cameron, and recording from from a now much colder and colder Tasmania. I think summer's gone and it was never here.
1: Yeah, Ken here, we uh, didn't seem to get much of the weather that we'd like in summer, but anyway, here we are, March it is.
2: And uh, I'm Luke, recording from an increasingly expensive home in Currumball.
1: <laughs> and I'm
3: Lachlan. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm,
0: good. Right, the, the chapter's Isaiah 58, and I, I don't think it needs a lengthy introduction. I'll just start reading... And uh, we're going to read the entire chapter. Shout it out aloud. Do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the house of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out and they seem eager to know my ways. As if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them.
1: Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? yet on the day of your fasting you do as you please and exploit all your workers your fasting ends in quarrelling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists i interpolate and wonder what striking each other with holy fists might look like you cannot fast as you do to-day and expect your voice to be heard on high
2: you humble yourselves by going through the motions of penance bowing your heads like reeds bending in the wind you dress in burlap and cover yourself with ashes Is this what you call fasting? Do you really think this will please the Lord? No, this is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free. Remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry. Give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them. And do not hide from relatives who need your help. Then your salvation will come like the dawn, and your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward, and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then when you call, the Lord will answer. Yes, I am here. He will quickly reply. Remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious rumors. Feed the hungry and help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness, and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. Some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. Then you will be known as a rebuilder of walls and a restorer of homes. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Don't
3: pursue your own interests on that day, but enjoy the Sabbath and speak of it with delight as the Lord's holy day. Honor the Sabbath in everything you do on that day and don't follow your own desires or talk idly. Then the Lord will be your delight. I will give you great honor and satisfy you with the inheritance I promised to your ancestor Jacob. I, the Lord, have spoken.
0: Right. There's a long-standing question I've had about Sabbath-keeping, uh, which I'm hoping will be answered tonight. And it's been answered already because I posed it to a Sabbath school class. This was at a small church, and I was taking the lesson, and it was a combined lesson. This is not extremely relevant, but um, my wife and I lowered the average age of attendees at this Sabbath school probably down to 75. So... uh uh, I mean, I shouldn't mention that because I don't think conservatism is correlates well with age. But but it's fair to say that that the people in the church were very anxious to be real Adventists, Seventh-day Adventists. And uh, I asked them, it was a discussion on the Sabbath, and I, I pointed out to them that I, I don't feel very much like I'm fulfilling any of the Great Commission, in particular, at the time, uh, or... It's certainly none of the being the salt and light to the world necessarily. I'd grown up in an Adventist church. I'd gone to an Adventist institution. I was then at the time working at an Adventist school. And the sum total of non-Adventists that I knew well enough to call up on an afternoon and have a chat was zero. Uh, So uh, the only time I really came in contact with non-Adventists was on... The occasional afternoon when I could take one of my radio control gliders down to the the uh, uh, hill near Byron Bay and a magic spot. Right up near the highway, big uh, cliff face looking out over the hill. You can see the lighthouse, you can see the beach, you could turn and see Mount Warning. Absolute magic spot. And people used to fly radio control gliders off the hill and catch the lift. Uh, the big trouble I had, of course, was that most, nearly everyone, turned up there on a Sabbath afternoon, and I asked the Sabbath School, given the fact that I, I knew so few people outside the church, uh, and my only chance to really interact with them was on this occasion. Did that justify me in in flying radio control airplanes with them on the Sabbath? And in quick succession, I was given a a set of reasons for why I should not fly radio controlled aeroplanes and nothing I've ever heard in my life made it made has made me ever want to rush out and fly radio controlled aeroplanes at that very instant like the arguments I heard <laughs> against against the practice and the crowning one was this chap this verse from Isaiah that the sabbath is not for doing our own pleasure
3: well
1: and it's a test isn't it i mean it, it, we have a few tests of sabbath keeping i think that we that we raise um uh and generally they're don't do's. Mm. Um uh so is this work? Uh answer yes, there can I do it? No. Um does this involve some exchange of money, which is what we think work often is. Um Answer yes, can I do it? No. Uh does this bring me pleasure? Answer yes certainly you cannot do that on the Sabbath.
3: I know. I've never stopped to pause to realise, but certainly when I was growing up, the Adventist culture that I was part of, some elements of it would not go swimming on the Sabbath, at least not dipping any part of your body above the knees into the water, unless you happen to be still wearing Mm. your Sabbath church clothes, in which case it was okay to go into the water because that wasn't swimming. That was accidental. Um, So... I've never connected it, but presumably one of the problems with swimming can is that it's pleasurable.
2: Well exactly and And yet so so is so are bushwalks, and that's always been an accepted cultural.
3: Uh you've been doing it wrong, Luke. You've been meant to be doing those bushwalks as arduous penance.
1: Yeah. Except that doesn't that involve work?
2: (laughs) You have to you have to (laughs) walk slowly. If you walk quickly and try and get somewhere within a certain time or Achieve a certain distance yeah. or climb a certain altitude, you're working, yeah. and it's not so as long as
1: it's an unpleasurable meander,
2: yeah. you should be okay. As, long as you're wandering aimlessly and not enjoying yourself.
0: Well, this is well, this is hard in lots of other ways. Um, we we can't fly radio control airplanes, but we can go for a Sabbath afternoon drive. Now, uh, driving a car involves operating a piece of machinery. We go driving because it's pleasurable, but it's even worse because driving the car involves considerable more expenditure. I guess you're not technically buying the petrol on the Sabbath. Um, but, but if we're to rule out any use of... See, going to this same hill and watching the birds fly is definitely okay.
1: Yeah. Look, you could even potentially... But- uh, get by with going and
2: watching somebody else fly their radio control plane. I was going to say, Cam, what if you enjoy watching birds fly?
0: Oh, I do enjoy watching birds fly, Luke.
3: No, so there is a difference. Birds are God's creation, whereas these planes are the creation of fallen humans, Cam.
2: But the interpretation of this verse and others is that we're not supposed to, don't pursue your own pleasures.
0: Right, I want to I want to come back to that wording. Well, I'm I'm, I'm going to interrupt you, Locke, because I'm I'm going to take issue with one of Ken's commentaries to my question. He he said that we have a list of questions, and the first one he said is is this work? And if I am to not do things that feel like work on the Sabbath, the first thing I should drop is being Sabbath school coordinator. Mm. I'm a high school teacher. I spend all my all my six days a week. The work I do six days a week is organising classes and planning lessons and all the rest of it. And the commandment clearly says that you should rest from your work that you do six days a week.
1: Well, you probably shouldn't talk either, Cam, because you're talking. Your I spend
0: work. all week. So, I professionally talk like you, I'm paid to talk. You,
2: you definitely shouldn't teach anybody anything, Cam, because your work is a teacher.
0: I shouldn't teach anybody anything in fact now actually I'm recording this on Friday night.
2: Well, this is a big problem. Is everybody else enjoying this as well
3: no i'm I'm <laughs> definitely not on, on principle. <laughs> 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 uh, look, I'd like to I'd like to dig into this verse because it, it's obviously a little bit troubling to us. Um, this is verse thirteen of Isaiah fifty-eight. In the NLT, it actually says contradictory things one after the other because it says, "Keep the Sabbath day holy. Don't pursue your own interests on that day, but enjoy the Sabbath and speak of it with delight." So you can enjoy the day so long as
1: you don't enjoy what you're doing. <laughs>
3: I think actually there may be there may be a little bit of a hint um, in here because of the the verses that we deliberately let Luke read. But but let's just explore it a moment longer. Does anyone have other translations
1: of this verse thirteen? Um, I do, and I'll go with the NIV. Um, and yeah. what it says is, if you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day. Um, if you call the Sabbath a delight or exquisite and the Lord's holy day honourable, and if you honour it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, mm. then you will find joy in the Lord.
0: In point of fact, the phrase to do as you please does not mean to do pleasing things. Yeah. Well,
3: I, I think... I, I Surely the verses that uh, The 12 verses that have come before here Are giving us a little bit of a window right What is exa- what is the problem That this chapter is addressing
2: How very facetious of you Lachlan A little bit of a window you say
3: mm.
2: Just a little one mm. It's, de- it's we'll definitely it back, not 12 verses yeah. long This window
3: it's tiny Come, come back to verse 3 yeah. um, You know we've, We have fasted before you they say Why aren't you impressed I will tell you why Responds God, it's because you are fasting to please yourselves.
0: Mm. Now, that's actually, that's a fascinating thing, isn't it? Because they're actually doing something unpleasant to please themselves. I mean,
3: is it possible, here's, I'm going to be a little bit facetious for a moment. Is it possible that you could avoid swimming in, in swimmers on the Sabbath in order to please yourself?
2: I think it's very possible that you could do that.
3: Because that would be the sort of fast I, I think, that's probably a little bit more closer to, to our modern, well, uh, you know, Western I mean, Adventist culture.
2: Let, let's, let's put this directly and clearly. Verses 1 through to 12 are all about the pointlessness and transparency of false piety. And of following the rules for selfish purposes. And a call to act in a way that is pleasing to God with regard to our relationship with other people and our relationship in the world, and what we spend our time doing. And then immediately in verse 13 and 14, it talks about how you use the Sabbath day. If we're talking about how do you worship God, right? Mm. Do you fast and make sacrifices and do all of the things that make you look holy for your own purposes? Or do you serve others and feed the hungry and clothe the naked and how's the homeless, and all the rest of it. If doing those things is worshipping God, and we're supposed to worship God on the Sabbath in particular, what are we supposed to do on the Sabbath? Is the, the 14 verses together, to me, make it very obvious.
3: Maybe here's an opportunity, came mm. for you to invert um, the discussion that, that took place in the Sabbath school that you, you told us about. Because it seems to me one of the things that Adventists love to do the most is a Sabbath afternoon nap. Uh, especially Adventists who may have oh. have uh, advanced ages, like, I don't know, mid-30s.
2: Or who overindulged the potluck. Yeah,
3: And surely it seems to me that yeah. having a Sabbath afternoon nap is is the definition, the epitome of pursuing my own interests, where I'm not talking about pleasure. I love the word here in, in the NLT, don't pursue your own interests mm. on that day. It's It's not so much speaking, in my opinion, and I know the NLT is not the translation to turn to for um, for nuanced word studies. But it's certainly, the entire chapter has made it very clear that what is being spoken about mm. here is where your focus is. Personal focus, inward on yourself, versus an outward focus on mm. the need of needy people. Exactly. That's the contrast that's being made here. Absolutely.
0: What I'm hearing, Locke, is that it's better to sleep during the sermon so that you are energised in the afternoon to go and do acts of service.
2: It's very hard not to make a comment about how at least that isn't
1: wasting time. I mean, I generally have my... Look, I shouldn't confess this, but I generally have my three Sabbath sleeps. Uh, Of course, Sabbath starts on Friday night, so I have my Friday night sleep. Um, And look, it's an indictment on me, but I confess. I often find the sermon a wonderful time for a bit of shut-eye. And so that's my second Sabbath sleep. And the third one is usually after lunch. <laughs> uh, so I, I say three Sabbath sleeps. I think the good, th- good things come in threes. Uh,
0: I think I think we could get some inspiration too uh, by looking at the original Sabbath commandment. And I'd like the version in Deuteronomy for this because... Uh, Where the call is made to observe the Sabbath, and these people think that they're observing the Sabbath and fasting and they're they're doing, observing religious, they're going through religious rituals. Uh, But where at least the, the observance of the Sabbath is first specified, it's pretty clear what the purpose is that's being served. And the reason why I like Deuteronomy is it goes into more detail about exactly who should benefit from Sabbath keeping. It's a really big list, isn't it?
2: I know the verse you're referring to, Cam, and I know that it, it talks about how mm. you, on the Sabbath, not only you, but also your workers must rest. Yeah, even and your animals, no, and, your animals workers. and foreigners yeah, animals. in the land, all and, the rest And
3: thing. even the women.
0: Yeah,
2: <laughs> even the women, yes.
0: This is what it says. This is what it says. It says, six days you shall labor and do all your work, which means I'm breaking the commandment because I only work five days a week. So I, I can't claim to be keeping the this the fourth commandment because it clearly says I should be working six days. Um, the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant. So there's gender equality. Uh, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals. It's not just animals. It lists specific mm. animals. Um, nor the alien within your gates. um, so that your manservant, this is the purpose of the Sabbath, it's so that your manservant and maidservant may rest as you do. Mm-hmm. Remember, you were slaves in Egypt. In other words, God is saying there's six days a week. Yeah. There's six days a week where you you can legitimately you know, be working for the bread to feed your kids and everything else. But one day a week, you have to uh, restore. It's not just restoring to them the benefit of rest. Yeah. It's restoring to them the dignity of of uh, not being told what to mm. do all the time. For that one day a week, you're not in the powerful position. You can't do as you mm. please. As in, you can't just do whatever you want. You can't tell them to mm. do whatever you want. You and them, you are all on an equal footing mm. on that day. So the reason we are to abstain from work on the Sabbath is so that the people near us benefit. Yes. And if if my neighbours don't know... That, that it's Sabbath. If, if, if people aren't just so happy when Sabbath comes around, if they're you know, in the same neighborhood as Seventh-day adventists because it's just a great day uh, for all the good that these people do on that day. I mean, I, I might be exaggerating, but I don't know. But if, if we're not known for making the community a better place one day a week, maybe we're not keeping the Sabbath.
2: And, Cam, Isaiah is very... Well, two points, I'll come back to that thought that you're on isaiah is very clearly referring to this this purpose of the sabbath in deuteronomy in verses 3 and verse 9 both of them it talks about how mm. you're fasting to please yourself even while you fast you keep oppressing your workers so very clearly this is talking about a mm. specific type of piety where the individual is keeping the sabbath themselves but they are not allowing their workers to keep the sabbath or they're not keeping the sabbath with respect to their workers mm. Um, and it refers to it again
1: in verse 9. And in, indeed, if we go to verse 13 and compare verse 13 and first verse, verse 3, um, if you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, is verse 13. And verse 3 is, yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please. Yeah. And what is it that is the doing as you please? It is exploiting your mm. workers. It is quarreling and strife. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it, it is it is those things. Spreading rumours so that the doing as you please uh, is not your pleasure.
3: It's it's yes. not
2: leisure activities. It's the oppression
3: mm. of others. It's doing what is maintaining my position of privilege.
2: Mm. There's the important points to remember as well. And Cam, the, you can take some comfort in the fact that you only work five days a week. From the 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 certain knowledge that work as it's referred to in the bible it has no bearing on what we now consider to be a paid mm. job they are two completely different concepts um and i have no doubt that many of the things you do on sunday would rightly be considered work by somebody in oh, in the society of isaiah it. um but the, the, so mm. the word holy i find really interesting here um and I to, we're talking about in relation to the things we do on the Sabbath. I also want to talk about in relation to our Sabbath places. Because we th- these are all connected. So what do we do on the Sabbath? We go to church. What is church? Church is a special place. It's a holy place. How do you observe...
0: Can I, can I interrupt through. you there, Luke? Not only is church a special and a holy place, it is the symbol. Attendance to that building at that time is the symbol about is the the primary uh, symptom by which we diagnose someone Mm. whose faith is slipping. It is
2: the Adventist equivalent of the peacock's brightly coloured tail.
0: It's the peacock's bright tail. If someone is not attending church between the hours of 9.30 and 12, then something must be wrong and we need to follow up. And the inference is, if you are attending church, then you're at least sufficiently okay Mm. that we don't need to worry. Um, Our whole attendance is tied up. Our, Our whole... What am I trying to say?
1: It is the equivalent, Cam, of what is spoken about here as bowing one's head like a reed, of uh, lying on sackcloth and ashes. These are the external signs mm. yes. of and, worship.
2: And somehow the sense is that if you're not enjoying the worship service but you diligently go to it anyway, that's better. You're doing even better as an Adventist. Because hmm. you, when you go as a kid and you don't enjoy it, you just have to sit through it because it's the right thing to do. You get the impression, I don't know if everybody else who grew up in Adventist Mm -hmm. culture feels this way, but you get the impression that you're supposed to not enjoy church and that's holier, right? But Mm -hmm. so coming back to the church as a holy place, how do we, what is holiness? What is holy? What does God consider to be holy? And we're talking about this verse, the definition as you can see it in these verses in Isaiah, but but also in some of the other verses we've looked at,
0: there are people at my church who would maintain that uh, an essential requirement of uh, a place being holy is that people do not stop and linger and chat. Well, after the service, exactly.
2: So, so but they sit sit quietly. Let me let me list for everyone what I, what we learned as children. <laughs> um, Ken, I don't know if it was a little bit different. Uh, where and when you were, but Kamwok and I all had a very similar experience. You don't run in church. You don't raise your voice in church. Yes. You don't play in church. Mm. Um, and you if don't you do don't anything church, except hold unless... worship services in church. Mm. And you certainly don't go up on the platform. D- did, yes. D- did I miss anything?
0: Yeah. Well, no, I was going to say you don't run in church unless you belong to that select group of people whose parents stay and chat for at least an hour by which time nearly everyone's gone okay and then you can tear around the place <laughs> but you just got to wait for that critical you just got to wait for that critical Indeed. number i'm well experienced in this once once it gets down to like just a few people in groups chatting then then it's pretty much okay. I've, I, I've, I have I've to confess that even on one... I mean, it's pure agony growing up in Avondale College Church, which has a magnificent mm. huge space and big store, uh, staircases and a balcony and a bulletin that's ideal for paper planes <laughs> yeah. and and no permission to launch them. So,
2: yes, all very true. Um, it's a wonderful space, College Church, for young children, as long as there are no adults around to spoil it. Yeah. Um, But here's Mm -hmm. the point. How does that definition of holiness match with the definition in Isaiah? And in particular with regards to the space. Why is it holy to only do worship services? And this is not just an act. This is a very old Christian thing. You don't use your church for other purposes. It's a sacred place. Mm. Why is that holy? Why do we consider that holy when we have verses like this in Isaiah, which tell us a very different set of things is holy? feeding hungry people is holy clothing ho- uh, naked people is holy giving homes to, to homeless people is holy caring for the sick is holy. these are holy things
3: mm.
2: but yet we're not allowed to do any of them in a church one,
0: no but one one a holy literally means set apart and so i think that that that's the rationale by setting something apart you make mm. it special and i agree It's also true like in medieval times when they had huge big cathedrals which were absolutely preserved for, you know, worship services. They also had, you know, convents full of nuns and monasteries full of monks who were, at their better moments, flat out feeding hungry people and caring for sick and doing all that stuff. And uh, the fact that they preserved one building for worship is, I guess, kind of fine if they're doing all the other stuff as well. But what happens if we're not?
2: I'm not saying we necessarily need to use the church for these things. My point is simply that if God considers it holy to feed the hungry, why is it not permitted to feed the hungry in a holy place? Did not Jesus heal inside the temple? Anyway, he got into, with into your pretty
3: story. hot yeah, water. He got, he got into pretty hot water for doing that, Luke.
2: Not with God. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. yeah, nice.
0: <laughs> well. I guess the facetious comment would be, what do the rules we have about church have have to do with God?
2: Hmm.
3: Well, uh, on Uh, this, I mean, one of the comments I was going to make, Isaiah 58 is getting pretty close. I think it's Isaiah 60, uh, which Jesus reads from in all of the...
0: In fact, like, I'd be confident that Isaiah 58 is pretty close. Would you?
3: (laughs) I think it's only a couple of chapters away, but no, I, um,
2: (laughs) Uh
0: congratulations. Jesus
3: reads from the scroll of Isaiah in the sanctuary, in the tabernacle. And that's, that's recorded as being a real launching pad, a starting point for his public ministry. And he reads from the scroll of Isaiah and he reads about setting the captives free. He reads about restoring sight to the blind. I think we're going to cover this probably in the next episode. If not, if not in the next one or two, um, what I'm saying is, Isaiah is a book, we've been on a journey through it, and it's had some bits that are really, really stories set in history. And it's had some bits which are clearly, at times, difficult proclamations about different nations and about God's power and the way that power is expressed in judgment and at times in violent imagery that we've, we've gone around and around and around. We've, we've grappled with those and struggled with some of them as we go through. But we are now reaching, these themes have been present. In Isaiah leading up to this point, but now they are becoming extremely uh obvious and emphasized. And it's this part of Isaiah, which Jesus uses to launch his ministry. So we can perhaps talk more about that next episode, but I, I wanted to draw that, you know, draw attention to that because this is really resonant to the you know, we're talking about Jesus healing in the sanctuary. And and of course he does. Of course he does, because he's seeing He's, he's reminding us that this is the true worship that God is calling us to. In, mm. in, in the New Living Translation, Isaiah 58 has a little heading on it called True and False Worship. It's, mm. it's a dichotomy here between things that are not, in God's eyes, very effective worship, while they are in the eyes of the people who are participating in those acts.
0: Well, look, I've, I've got two examples um, of uh, counter-examples perhaps to the examples that, that Luke gave of, of various churches. Uh, one of them is Ye Church, which is not a church. It was never consecrated as a place of worship because they thought that sinking funds into two buildings, one for church and one as a hall, was was an inefficient use of church funds that could be better used to to helping other people. And they, they run... They, they run the service in the church and then uh, everyone stands up and mingles and while everyone's mingling, the seats are all rearranged, tables are brought in and the church potluck happens in the building uh, and then a couple of times a year they, they collect clothes for a, a, an op shop for the local community and at least three or four times a year the, the building in which they worship, it's the same building as their church takes place in, is turned into Ooh. an op shop.
2: What I'm taking from this story, Cam, combined with what we're learning from Isaiah, mm. is that the fastest way to make every Adventist church more holy is to deconsecrate it immediately.
0: Hmm.
3: Yeah, it's an
2: interesting challenge. Because then we can use it yes. to do things that please God. At the moment, we can't. It's yeah. an interesting challenge.
0: Yeah. Well, there's there's another church I heard of that, that had a couple of people who were mechanics in the church, and they decided that they were going to build a, a small workshop, not super highly equipped, but just for sort of basic servicing, oil changes, inspection work. And they uh, provided free services and oil changes to single mothers.
2: Mm. I, I'm familiar with that, that particular um, church community service. It's yeah. really wonderful. There's, there's a whole range of, of community service activities like that. Um, and yet we, we, we persist. Uh, s- sorry, one second. We, we persist still in trying not to do these things on the Sabbath, and in the holy places. And I, I genuinely don't understand why.
3: Well, um, on the, uh, we've talked about this in a previous episode about Sabbath miracles that Jesus performs. Um, it's a very Adventist response to say, well, yes, but you could just as easily uh, mow your neighbor's lawn or change their oil for single mothers. You could do that on Sunday, and it's still going to be just as much a, a, a generous and a helpful act, serving the community, and it lets you keep Sabbath by not working on Sabbath. But the same could be said of the people Jesus heals on the Sabbath. There's a number of Sabbath healing miracles recorded, and mm. all but and one of them. Feeds on uh, one of them is is Peter's mother-in-law, who who does have a fever, and that could be especially in that culture construed as being somewhat urgent. All the rest, you know, blind from birth. A withered hand. All of them waiting a few hours till the sun goes down would have made very little difference. But Jesus seems to go out of his way and I think very very prominently, very deliberately is actually telling us something. There is no better day for relieving oppression. And people who are struggling with a withered hand or with blindness can be can be argued are, are living a life at a disadvantage, a life of oppression. <clears throat> and Jesus's point. Well,
0: Jesus obliquely, he obliquely refers to the, the, the donkey and the ox in the Deuteronomy commandment. It says, you know, the Sabbath commandment allows you to look after yes. your donkey.
3: And the donkey and the ox, remember, notice what they are. They're beasts of burden.
2: Yes, they're work animals. They yeah. work to tra- their transport modes. The donkey is basically saying your car. And the ox is basically saying your tractor. I have
3: a couple of interesting observations that are occurring to me here. One is, um, Cam, your story of Radio Control Planes that you opened with highlights something that we need mm. to grapple with if we're going to be honest in our engagement with the Bible. Most of human history have, has had people either resting or working. The Bible speaks of Sabbath in the language of rest from work. Our society has mm. a predominance of recreational time, spare time, free time, hobby Pleasure. time. This is absolutely novel for, for mm. that to be a mainstream thing in society. So we need, to, we, need to, we need to fairly and I think honestly think about what does that mean for us when we come to approach the Sabbath? And I think, Cam, that's the large part of the, the sort of automatic anxiousness, the ambiguity that arises around an activity like flying a radio controlled glider because it doesn't fit into the categories of rest and work and so it stresses us because it doesn't fit neatly into the language the Bible has equipped us with. So the first question then is recreational time. How does that impact? What do we do with recreational time in the context of Isaiah 58 about, about freeing those who are wrongly imprisoned and lightening the burden of those who work with us and letting the oppressed go free and removing the chains that bind people? I think that that might have something to say to us about our use of our own personal time, our recreational time. Um,
0: Whether it's on Saturday or not. Mm-hmm. I mean the the thing the the thing that we emphasize about the Sabbath the Sabbath has lots of dimensions. A quick summary, what are they? Inactivity, mm. Uh, mm. worship. Although the Sabbath commandment doesn't say you have to worship God on Sabbath because it's inferred we should worship him every day of the week because they did. And their services were every day of the week in the Old mm. Testament. So there's nothing special in the Sabbath commandment that says we ought to do more worship on that day than other day. But I'm happy to mm. allow it. So so there's inactivity, there's worship there's uh, uh, there's not serving our own financial mm. interests, and there is uh, providing uh, social equality okay. and justice for those over whom we have influence. Be they people of any gender, of any race, be they any animal, mm. etc. So. As as a rough summary, so any points you could think that I've left out, like? um,
3: the one that perhaps wasn't quite emphasised enough in your list was the the communion with God, and I think this is coming with what you're you're referring to as worship. But in Exodus twenty, of course, Sabbath connects explicitly back to Eden and to the creation narrative, where mm. the the yeah. Sabbath is connected with the idea of um, relationship between God and the creation, and of sort of consciously. Cultivate, spend, investing time to consciously cultivate that that relationship.
0: Mm. I, I like that lock. Uh, it's not actually something I'd thought of before. That's really valuable. Of all those dimensions of Sabbath, the one that we emphasise is inactivity. It is genuinely the one I need the least. I'm getting fat. Like, and I, I belong to a culture where inactivity is the last thing we need. If, if the Sabbath, if we're going to start talking about the health benefits of rest, then what we need rest from is sitting on my own backside, I should be going to church on a treadmill.
2: And, Cam, in addition to being the one we need the least, generally speaking, it's also the one that's arguably the least important or least justifiable
0: by by, by Scripture, mm. inactivity. Well, certainly not by Isaiah 58. If if you uh, do
3: um, take the idea of being set apart, of making different in some, I, I grew up, you know, there's a lot of things that can be observed to be arbitrary in the way that Adventists approach Sabbath keeping, just as there are in in so many sort of community defining activities for so many different communities. But I, I actually got to be at peace with the arbitrariness. You know, if it's not swimming, then don't swim on Sabbath. If that is a thing that helps you set the day apart, helps you remind yourself not to remind yourself that it is a different day. So for me, the challenge was always, which books can I read on Sabbath? Some, uh, you know, anything by C.S. Lewis was, was yes, you can read that on Sabbath. And we've proved that by every, at least every second episode, having a substantial citation from C.S. Lewis in this podcast. Um, Lord of the Rings, that's J.R. Tolkien. Well, um, a little bit less obviously biblical in, in, nature than lots of lewis's writings but tolkien was one of the people who helped lewis's conversion to christianity so maybe that's okay and then there's this kind of you can keep arguing this you know what about asterisk comics and so on and so on and so on and i personally reached the point where i realized hey i think there's never going to be the perfect line it's going to be arbitrary embrace the arbitrariness because what you're wanting to do is to remind yourself, as a discipline, I'm setting the day apart. So whatever I'm deciding yeah. to do, you of know, course, my, my good friend might read asterix books on on Sabbath and I might choose not to. It it's not that they're wrong and I'm right or vice versa. It's that we're all on the journey, and if we can reach an arbitrary point where we're happy that we are, where we are in a discipline of reminding ourselves of its set apartness. Um,
0: yeah. Okay. Of course, like you can read very cheap. Uh, Christian fiction that has a very simplistic view mm. of life that, in my own experience, proved to be not very helpful.
1: It occurred to me that with your radio control aeroplane um, story, yeah. Cam, that it would have been okay if it was a radio control glider using the natural forces of the air mm. to keep it up. Um, if, mm. however, it had included an electric engine or God forbid, a gasoline-powered engine, uh, that would have involved mm. work and therefore would clearly have been uh, stepping over the line. So that that's that's an example of the sort of arbitrariness that we might be able to introduce.
3: On the one hand, Ken, that sounds really silly, right? You could sort of say, well, that, that's yeah. almost making jest of the thing. But for the perspective yeah. I'm trying to provide is that it could actually be a really sensible way for a Sabbath mm. keeper to say... I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna participate. It's gonna I'm gonna be the salt of the earth in my community and I'm going to be making relationships and, mm. and connecting. But in my own way, I'm going to fly only some of my plan. I'm gonna do something that's making it a little bit different now, for me as a personal discipline.
2: Lo let me mm. let me be devil's advocate here for a second, because I have I have some unease about what you're suggesting here. And I'm going to explain this unease by by exaggerating your point um, until it becomes nonsensical. So what if I, to make my arbitrary distinction of the Sabbath, said, well, I'm only going to sleep with female prostitutes on the Sabbath. I won't sleep with male ones, to make my distinction of the Sabbath. (laughs) Um,
3: Yes.
1: uh, (laughs) Well, we're all going to agree that that's not an appropriate Sabbath or out of
2: Sabbath. <laughs> well, my, my point, my point is mm. it can only be arbitrary up to a degree. Yeah. It can't yes. be I mean, completely arbitrary.
1: Yeah. I, I, I accept your point too. Uh, and while, while my example that I just gave might've made a bit of fun of it, I think one of the things that I've done in the past is I, I fly an airplane on Sabbath. I, I pilot an airplane on Sabbath and, um, uh, in fact, I'll go and do aerobatics on Sabbath. Um, but I, as the one of the arbitrary things that I have chosen, I won't enter an aerobatics competition mm. on Sabbath. Now, you know, uh, well, why not? I mean, I can probably be a good example of uh, uh, good sportsmanship and you know that sort of thing on the Sabbath if I do. But that's that's uh, why do I do that? Uh, I don't know. It's just mm. where I've chosen to draw the line.
0: Uh, the thing that is of concern obviously from the point of view if of trying to be a church is that people will, will draw different lines in different yep. places yeah and and a church is a community and so there's all sorts of other cans of worms opened up there
3: uh, I, I think we don't have time to resolve that one you're exactly right and i think one of the one of the challenges of being a community of faith is is that we will be in dialogue on this but what I would love is if we could reframe the question and instead of asking ourselves what is okay or what is allowed for me to do on the sabbath I would love it if our sabbath keeping communities of Christ could frame the question as how is my sabbath keeping making the world a better place for the people in my community who are not yet Sabbath keepers?
1: We're getting we're getting yeah. very close to the end of our time, and and I've been holding off on this because I, I really want to share it, um uh, mm. and and I think it it follows on from what you say, Lachlan, and and I'm hoping it might just take it one step further. Uh, so immediately we read the beginning verses of Isaiah 58, um, and here are these words: Day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways as if they were a nation that does what is right and hasn't forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. But then they ask, why have we fasted and you've not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? (laughs) And yet, and then we go into those things immediately. Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please. Where is this in the New Testament? Of course, it's in James chapter four, because what was there was the, there was the fasting and the exploitation of the workers, and there was the fighting and the quarreling. And we go to James four, and he puts it in reverse. He says this, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives. Listen, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. (laughs) Wow, Ken, that's really amazing. That's great. Now, come back to Isaiah. What is it that the people in Isaiah are asking for? They want to spend what God gives them on their own pleasures mm. What mm. they want is something from God. The questions they are asking is God, what can you do for me? Mm. And why want, on
0: earth aren't you doing it? They want a Sabbath blessing.
1: They man. want their Sabbath blessing yeah, but they, but they right, are refusing
3: on their
0: terms. but they
3: are refusing to be a <laughs> yeah. Sabbath blessing.
1: Ah, and that's the answer where we need to come to. So the problem is that so often we approach everything we do with God with the ulterior motive of getting from him what we want. Hmm. Um, and that's exactly what the people at the start of Isaiah were seeking to do. Why aren't you giving us what we want? We're doing the right thing hmm. and you're not giving it to us. This, because this is what we want. Um, turn it on its head. The question is not how can you get what you want. Uh, mm. The question is how are you going to give what you have to give?
3: That's so good, Ken. And that connects. The other theme that has been throughout Isaiah is this theme of remnant. And, and remnant is not the same as Sabbath, but it's so, so similar in so many ways. I am a part of the remnant of God, so I'm part of the special people of God, so I'm a special designated recipient of God's specific blessing. Or, I am part of the remnant of God, so I am one of the special um, participants in God's mission of blessing the world. I am an agent of God's blessing, rather than a special recipient. And and there's a huge convergence there between the, the themes of the remnant throughout Isaiah and, and the Sabbath here. That's really good, Ken. I don't think we can go past that. I think we should mm. we should take that as our conclusion. Yeah, no
2: that sounds like a
0: good... Yeah, and I, I am not sure what advice we ought to give on this topic, but I, I think uh, responding to a podcast by providing comments may be an allowed activity on the Sabbath. And... If any of our listeners feel so moved, they can email us at the address Sabbath school from home at gmail.com uh, In fact, they can do it. I think any day of the week. Uh, I guess I ought to be careful. If they're going to send in torrents of abuse, then they'd better wait till Sunday. I think <laughs> for their own
2: sake, not for our benefit. By all means, send the abuse. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's good. It's good to humble us. Um, but for for your own sake, yeah. don't do it on
0: Sabbath. Yeah, and and I guess our prayer should always be that uh, whatever we do on Sabbath, it would be something of substance mm. and meaning. Mm. And that's that's what we need yep. to strive for. Now uh, we're nearing the end of our journey through our side, but we've still got a couple of weeks left, so some more good topics to come up. And we might leave everyone there.